radio show. I am free. Thank God. I am free. I am. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I was sitting here, and I was just dancing to the music. I was listening <laughs> to my honey play, and I was just dancing to the music. So I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I got a smile on my face. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I am excited. I'm happy. I have a very, 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 very special guest that has agreed to return to come back and hang out with me on the show, spend some time with me. So, of course, I have to make this special. Okay, you guys, I have to make this special. I'm sipping my, well, I'm not sipping it yet. I've got it ready here. I wish you could see I have this really pretty teacup and steeper, okay? This is, it's got a a beautiful floral design. It makes you think more of an Asian style um, design. My tea is steeping. I've got hibiscus. I've got green tea steeping together. I had to pull out the special cups. I couldn't just use a regular cup for this because my guess is special, okay? So I had to pull out the special cups, you guys. (laughs) So it's steeping. It's getting ready. This um, combination bring back fond memories for me. Because me and and my hubby, we went to Hawaii one year. Then it's been many years ago now, but we went to Hawaii because he was coaching um, for the Air Force and he was coaching a tournament that was in Hawaii. And we had some friends that lived there at the time, and uh, the lady of the house introduced me to this combination and I mean it was so good that we just drank cup after cup after cup you just didn't even feel like you were getting full it just it was delicious so I'm trying to duplicate that moment with my wonderful wonderful daughter now before oops I didn't mean to say that I didn't mean to say that I was trying to kind of leave you guys hanging and wondering who this guest was I didn't mean to say that (laughs) 
messed up a question that I was going to ask her. But anyway, I'm going to ask the question anyway. But before I do that, I am also happy. You probably haven't heard that term in a minute that I'm getting ready to say. I'm also jazzed because I checked my stats while I was preparing for this show. I checked my radio show stats. And it says that I have over... 10,000 hits this month. Woo! <laughs> uh, oh, my good! I won't say unbelievable. I'll say praise you, Jesus. I just checked it last week because I was letting my guests know how many people had tuned in when she was on. And I said, okay, it was, I think... I, I can't remember. I think it was like 200-something people that had tuned in to the specific podcast of hers. And then I think we had like 7,000-and-something hits at the time. And I said, we're probably going to break our record, which I thought would be, you know, a little more than 7,000. Like maybe, well, obviously 10,000. I thought it would be, you know, close to 10,000. But we did it. God is good. God is good. We've been on the air for 10 years now, <laughs> and it's the first time that this has ever happened. So I'm praising God because these are not paid for. You know, this is not because I do a lot of advertising. It's not because I pay money to advertise. It's because the the show itself is just apparently growing, and I just give God all the praise. Now, let me look at my timing here. Okay, great. I haven't taken up too much time. I have. Drum roll, please. A very special guest. <laughs> she was with me a few weeks ago. Her name is Chanel Nicole. And I want to say, hey, Chanel, how's it going? Hey, hey, hey. It's going great. Glad All to be right. back again. Are you really? Are you really? Mm-hmm. I am. Absolutely, absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Great. Great. I have a I'm gonna I'm gonna lead into I'm going to lead into our discussion tonight, if that's okay with you. Okay, I'm gonna lead into this with a big question. I didn't ask you this question in advance. So people oh, Lord, here we go. Yes, this is <laughs> off the cuff, people. This is off the cuff, okay? She didn't have time to prepare for this, all right? I want to know. I want you to tell our listeners, how did we meet? <laughs> you packed dirt and you made me. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. That's a good answer. I don't think they may 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 not have heard what you said. <laughs> What's that again? I said you packed some dirt. You packed some dirt. You put me all together, and you made me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good answer. I'm laughing because that is something that my granny used to say. You know, when she would talk about. Uh, some of the old sayings that the women had and the people had back in the day. 
And they would say it, you know, when they were talking smack about their kids acting up. They'd be like, look, I packed dirt and I made you. I brought you in this world and I will take you out of this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so my daughter has heard me say that. I packed dirt and I made you. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you back with me. Um, you, um, yeah, you have been my, you've been my honey munchie. I know everybody ain't <laughs> supposed to know that. You've been my honey munchie <laughs> for many years. Uh, you've also been my moo, M-O-O, my moo. I've got several different uh, nicknames for you. But now, of course, you are all grown up with a a vibrant, smart, um, beautiful daughter of your own. And I guess the next question I want to ask is, how did you get here? How did you get to this point in your life? Um, We're going to talk about your testimony, um, your love for God and things that he's done for you. So in the context of that, tell us, how did you get to this point in your life? Well, only the Lord knew what my path and directions and decisions I was going to make would bring me to this point in my life. Um, Who knew I would have had a, a, a Job story, basically. I would have my own testimony similar to somewhat of Job and experience a lot of pain, (laughs) a lot of pain. And so, but from the beginning, we can start there. That would be, I was unknowing to me. I was born into brokenness. I was born into a circumstance that was already broken. And then this child came into the world. And, um, it's been an interesting journey. I, uh, I thought I was, I was born into parents that loved each other dearly and that you had a good father, good mother that were working and you had, you know, all of the material things. You have uh, a decent amount of money. You have businesses. And I, I, that's what we saw on the outside, not knowing that there was so much pain and hurt in the inside. And so... I had a great rapport with my father, with both my parents, a great rapport, but I was daddy's girl. I was daddy's girl, and a lot of people don't realize how important the roles of a mother and father are in a child's life. And my father played an important role in my, in my life as a kid, and I remember being with him all the time and spending time with him, and he would work on cars, and but he would also drink. And now that I'm older looking back at the things that I witnessed and experienced, I wish that he could have made a better decision in his life because it took me down a path that I wasn't prepared for. Um, My parents got a divorce. And up until that point, I had no clue that that was coming. They kept, they hid it from us, you know, They didn't show the the ugly side of what was happening under the surface that had been building up for years. And at this point, I'm basically 10, 11 years old. So I'm thinking my dad's a good person. 
I'm thinking that he loves me. He cares about me. And I went from a happy family to divorce. And my father became a whole nother person overnight. Completely different person. And he hurt me. He hurt me bad. He caused me to experience abandonment, rejection, lose confidence in, in a man, you know, somebody that you're supposed to look up to and, and go to and, and go to them for advice and go to them for, to look to them for an example. And he was that. Okay. Well, people, we'll be, at, we'll be back after the break. The tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. Thank God I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, I've got a very special guest. She just happens to be my daughter, my honey munchie, my moo, and um, she's telling us her personal story, 
her personal testimony, and uh, will be telling us some of the good things that the Lord has done for her. So I'm going to let her pick right up where she left off at. Okay, I think no. you said your dad changed overnight. Your 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 biological yes, changed over. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the interesting thing is that. The interesting thing is that what led to the last thing I witnessed before the divorce was my mom actually had gotten so angry of the things that would have to have been happening behind closed doors. Sometimes a person can push you to a point that you you would do respond in a way that you would never do that. That's just out of your nature. They can push you so far. And I remember being in my red bedroom and my mother just came running down the hall with a knife and she stabbed the door. She stabbed the door and she was screaming and she was yelling. And that's the last physical memory I have of us kind of being together when everything just exploded. And so when that happened, it actually scared me. It scared me because I was like, why is my mom pulling a knife on my dad? Like, what in the world? And I lived with him for a period of time after that because I didn't even want to live with my mother because of what had happened. It traumatized me. And... I would stay with him, and while I was staying with him, there were other women in the house. Other women would stay there. Other women would give me baths. Other women would make sure that my dinner was made. And I would spend time with my father, too, but it just wasn't the best environment for a child. And it was a period before I was comfortable enough to go ahead and move back with my mom. Um, It took some time because I needed to heal from what had happened. And my father actually decided that he didn't want me to live with him anymore. He asked my aunt to come get me, to pick me up. Mind you, at this point, he has been acting like he wants me to live with him. And then all of a sudden, it's like my aunt's coming to get me. And my the cops that, the cops that come to our house, and they try to drag me out of the home. And I remember holding on to one of the women that he was dating. My parents aren't even... The papers aren't even signed yet, and he's with another woman, and I'm clinching on to this woman instead of my own mother because I don't want to leave my daddy. That's how deep a relationship can be uh, with a child and, and their father, the child and the parent. They have so much loyalty to them, and he took advantage of that. So the cops have come. I have fought the cops. They're like, we're not going to force her to leave. Some time goes by. My aunt comes, and my aunt was one of those, you, you don't play with your aunt. If she said it was time to go, it's time to go. So I went without a fight, and my dad let me go without a fight. And after that, he basically somewhat disappeared. He was in and out. He would call me. He would pop up at my, at my school and make me think that he was going to steal me, take me away from my mom just randomly show up at my school, randomly show up at my friend's house. And then he would call me and he would tell me things like, well, I don't even know if you're my daughter. Your mother's a whore and I don't even know if you're my child. This is my own father that I have developed a relationship with, that I'm daddy's girl. And it, and it broke me. It broke me. And I didn't even know at the time how bad it had broke me because I went quiet. I didn't talk about my feelings. 
I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I didn't talk to my mom. And I went from a home of the family being together, working together, to now I have no father. And my mother has to work all the time because she's trying to take care of me. She's trying to make sure we have a roof over our head, that we have food on the table, that my needs are met while my emotional needs were were not being met. So I was a good kid for a long period. I did what I was told. I I, uh, never got in trouble. I had A's and B's in school. I handled my business. And after middle school ended and we start transitioning from middle school to high school, that's when things change. And the devil always knows when the door is open and when there's a moment for him to be able to step in and wreak havoc and cause confusion because his agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he was trying to do to me. So I went from being a quiet kid to now I'm hanging with the wrong crowd. I'm spending time with other kids that don't have a solid home or solid foundation. They have brokenness as well. They have a fatherless home. And we would go to uh, one of my friend's house. It was a party house. That's where we would go if we wanted to do something that we knew we weren't supposed to do. I separated from my friends and I made these new friends. And then I start going to the party house. Now, at this point, I'm 13, 14. I start drinking alcohol. They introduced me to alcohol. They start introducing me to marijuana. There was older men that were living in the house. Hold up, hold up, I'm hold sorry. up, hold up. I'm trying to remember, and, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, steer you in any particular direction, but didn't you, didn't your dad introduce you to some things, too, that were also traumatic for you before all of this? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he did. He um, want to talk about that or no? I mean, you don't have to I'll, if you don't want to. I'll talk about at least, at least one of them because my father was actually the one that introduced me to alcohol. Okay. I remember when I was in sixth grade, he, um, he, um, I was going to my, I used to play the violin, and he took me to my concert. And on the way to the concert, he would, I asked him if I can get wine coolers, and he was like, "Yeah," because he used to drink all the time. I thought it was normal. He drank all the time, every day, there wasn't a moment that you wouldn't see him without a beer unless he was at work. And um, he just said, yeah, and I let me drink a whole six-pack six pack, six pack of wine coolers in, in sixth grade. And so there was moments like that throughout my life, throughout my, throughout my life during the divorce period where he was in my life, but he was really wreaking havoc until he finally just fell off and we just stopped having a relationship altogether because I had decided I had had enough. I couldn't take him telling me I wasn't his kid after he just took care of me for 11 years. He just knew that his wife, my mother had a baby with him and now I'm not your child anymore. You don't know you're unsure. So I turned the wrong the wrong direction when you have that that fork in the road Mm -hmm. you can either stay on the straight and narrow path or you can go right or left i decided to go to detour the road Mm -hmm. and found myself surrounded by people that i shouldn't have been surrounded by doing things that i shouldn't have been doing drinking 13 shots in one night 
I'm 13 year old, 13, 13 years old, and I'm drinking 13 shots in one night, and I'm numb. Mm. I'm numb. I'm in so much pain that I don't even, I don't even know why I'm hurting. I don't even know why I'm doing half the things that I'm doing, but it's fun. That's what I'm telling myself, telling myself, this is fun. I love it. I love partying. I love getting high and being, not being in my right mind, not being able to think straight. And so this continued for a, a period of time. I started running away from school. My grades fell off. I was no longer uh, an A and B student. Now I'm on the D, F, F level. I'm not turning in homework. I'm barely going to class. I'm angry. I'm angry. I became very angry and bitter and upset to the point where I used to tell people that my father died in a fire because he just left me. He was there and then he wasn't. What is a child supposed to do when they have no outlet? When they have no way to, nowhere to turn? They turn to who they feel is going to give them comfort. Sometimes that's going to be a gang. Sometimes that's going to be, um, you know, somebody that does something they're not supposed to, maybe worship something that they're not supposed to, involved in witchcraft, you know, involved in being promiscuous. Maybe they have, they end up being friends with somebody that sleeps, sleeps around with a lot of young men and thinks that that's, that makes them so special. makes them feel good inside. And so that was my outlet. That was my way of crying out, not knowing that I was crying out for help, that I wanted to feel love, you know, that I needed something. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, turning, making a shift in my, in my home life, Making my mom and my uh, my stepdad, who who became my real father, come into my life. Who knows where I would be right now? I would have never. I I may ne- never have fa- um, committed my life to the Lord. I may have continued on that path until I ended up doing harder drugs, or ended up getting and getting pregnant, because that was one of the things that my father used to say to me. My blood father, he would say to me. Um, after I told him I didn't want to talk to him anymore and I stopped accepting his calls, he started this, the, one of the last times we talked, he said, one day you're going to get knocked up and that's when you're going to need me. That's what he spoke into my life. That's what he spoke, to, spoke tried to speak into my existence. He tried to impart that information into my spirit. You're going to get knocked up and then that's when you're going to need me. Wow, the break has stopped us, but I'm like holding my breath listening to you. So people, hold your breath. We'll actually take a deep breath, and we'll be back after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. (laughs) A black nurse 
This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from authorhouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. daughter you've got me on the edge of my seat so i'm gonna let you finish that thought and uh we'll see where we go from there all right sounds good okay um just imagine your father tells you that you're gonna get knocked up and that's when you're gonna need me but the one thing about me is that god gave me a strong will and i was determined if there was anything that was never going to be the reason why he needed me. I needed him. I was determined I'm never going to have a child outside of marriage. It, it was in my generation, my generational history of my family. All the women got pregnant in their teens, and I was not going to do it. That's probably why he told me that, because it was, it was something that had been passed down, woman to woman to woman to woman, on, that side of his, on, on my father's side of the family. They all had children at a young at a young age, and I was determined that that was not going to be me. And I held on to that promise. Thank God, praise God for that <laughs> for good things, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I'm your mom, and I of course live some of this with you, but. I was living my own nightmare at the time and just barely functioning, just barely, um, you know, just barely. This was uh, at a time when I had gotten angry with the Lord and wasn't walking with the Lord myself. So just hearing you even now talk about some of this, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And, and I believe that there are others who are feeling this, you know, and I thank God for your transparency because I pray that this will help someone else, um, you know, in, 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 in their deliverance process. Okay, so now we're at the place where 
um, we, we, of course, we can't tell everything, but um, you mentioned that the Lord brought your real dad <laughs> into your life. Mm-hmm. Now, you you want to pick up there? Do um, I happen to know that when you when you met our wonderful Chris, my the love of my life, and the real dad that God gave you. <laughs> it was a mixed bag. <laughs> Do you want to pick it up there? <laughs> yes, indeed. It was a mixed bag. I remember um, he would uh, come to the house and I would say, I don't know, Mom. I, I think he likes you. I think <laughs> I think he, like, he likes you. You were like, no, we're just friends. And I'm like, mm, no, he likes you. He likes well, you. And well, I think your words were actually, uh, I think he's trying to mac on you, Mom. <laughs> Didn't you say, I think he's trying to mac on you? <laughs> That's probably something I would say back then. Because uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> now at this point, I'm about 15. I'm probably 14, turning 15, or I'm 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I didn't want nothing to do with that. I was like, what, you, what do you mean? And then... It wasn't even a long romance that you guys had. You guys were together, what, six months? And then he proposed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it was the next thing I know, you guys are getting married within the next six months. And then we're moving on to the base because he was uh, <laughs> uh, military. Mm-hmm. So my life went from no, because I went, I went some years with no dad. No, it was just my mother and I, we had became, we were, it's interesting because we were very close. We still were very close and I used to sleep with my mom in her bed and we have stories about that and can laugh because I slept wild. But then at the same time, I wouldn't talk to her about what was going on. We we were just in survival mode. Let's survive. We're alive today. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, I went from having my mom solely by myself to now. There's a new man in my life. I now have a brother, and you guys have got married within a year, and we have a whole nother house. <laughs> and now you have to mix this family, mix these four people together. Mm-hmm. And I remember you guys sat us down, and you said, "We're married now, so there's no going to be, there's not going to be any stepmom or stepdad. We're not doing that. This is now your mother." And this is now your father. And you guys gave us a couple of options on um, what we could call you guys. It was like mama or papa or mom, dad. You gave us a couple of options. And we were looking at you guys like, you guys must be crazy. <laughs> you must be crazy. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for sure, I can guarantee for uh, some months, I just didn't call him anything. <laughs> I didn't call my dad anything. I would talk to him, but I wouldn't call him dad. I just would talk to him. Mm-hmm. But I would never say dad. And so it took some time before we started Justin, and we were like, okay. And then I think he took me out to lunch a couple of times. He was making an effort. He really was making an effort. But just imagine a man has now become a new husband, and he's just gained a 15-year-old, a 15-year-old daughter that's angry that's been partying, that has had her mom wrapped around her finger for a minute, <laughs> you know, has been doing her thing. Mm-hmm. And now you have to come in and put your foot down and you have to be the dad. You have to be the example. 
just imagine trying to crack that safe. Mm-hmm. So, but he put in the work. And I always say, you should never disrespect your stepdad by calling him stepdad if he's put in the work. If he's put in the work, he's done his job, and he has accepted and taken on the role of being a true father because that blood does not matter. Mm-hmm. Does not matter. God gave me exactly what I needed. Did I still go through a whole bunch of stuff? Oh, yes, because I was not delivered yet. Mm-hmm. But in, in that union of you guys, I was reintroduced to the Lord. I do started going remember, to church. Before you go there, do you remember at some point, I think this was even before we got married, do you remember telling me that what started to win you over about him also was how good he treated me? Do you remember telling me remember. something along those lines? I can't remember, but it, it sounds like me. It sounds like, you know, I, I'm very observant, so I always pay attention to my surroundings and what people are doing, uh, not only what they're doing, but also what their uh, their actions, if their actions are lining up with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And he was consistent. You, I always, We always joke because I used to call you guys the young lovers. I'm like, look at my parents, young lovers, because they were always going on dates always talking and giving each other the googly eyes. Even 20 years in, they were still doing that. Mm-hmm. Still holding hands, still calling each other dear, still, you know, um, rubbing my dad's feet for, for him, still showing each other affection and what a relationship is supposed to be like. And I always tell people, I've only had one real example of what love is truly supposed to be based on the biblical description it's supposed to be patient. It's supposed to be kind. Did they fight? Yep, but I can count literally probably on two fingers, two, with two fingers, how many times they fought. Because that love was always there. That compassion was always there. That oneness, that union was always there. They committed when they got married and said that we, were, we are going to live our lives according to the Lord. And when they made that decision, it made everything else line up. Mm. Mm. They, they took the lead, and then we followed. We had no choice but to follow. If you end up having good parents that are actually doing God's work and actually spending the time, and actually we started fellowshipping together. We would sing together. We would play games together as a family. We were always together. We went to church together. My dad started teaching my brother how to do the bass guitar for a period. We were always doing something as a unit to the point where it came so natural that people would look at, look at us and not realize that we were a blended family. I began to act more like my, my uh, gifted yeah. dad. Yeah, my dad that was gifted to me by God. I started <laughs> to act more like him than my own mother. <laughs> people used to say the same thing about our about your brother our son i didn't want to say his name without his permission but they used to say the same thing they used to say oh well i thought he 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 acts more like you he's got more of your temperament <laughs> and your daughter has more of her dad's temperament <laughs> go ahead yep yep and so I then so I got a, an opportunity. The Lord restored what the devil had taken from me. 
because he wounded me so bad that it even messed up. And that's why I say I have a Job story because there's so much more to this testimony. This is just the beginning, what led what led up to everything. But but because of what my blood father did, it impacted my love life. It impacted my relationship with other men. It impacted my relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. It it tainted me. It tainted it tainted um, what that should look like, what marriage should look like for me. Mm-hmm. But God turned around and caught, allowed healing to come, and then I, I, I got to see what it's really supposed to be like because of my gifted father, the one that was gifted to me. Mm-hmm. But the general, general, generational curses are strong if they are not broken. Yeah, this is so true. This is true. Wow, I know I haven't seen it yet, but um, the tunes are probably going to be coming in a few minutes, but we'll try to get in what we can get in. Um, I think in the last time when you came on, we talked about how you got saved. Did we? Did we talk about how you gave your heart to the Lord? Yes, we did. Okay. So for you that want to know that part, I think we'll have we'll tell you guys to go find that appearance. Chanel came on and we were talking about spiritual abuse. It's part six, and she shares how she actually gave her life to the Lord. Um, the seeds were planted um, when Chris, especially when Chris and I got together. Um, I actually did plant seeds uh, when she was younger also, but obviously the ones that were more prevalent to her were when Chris and I got together. So we'll pick up after the the uh, break talking about, I guess, um, uh, maybe some of the Job experience. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Or it can transition into high school. Okay, okay, well, we'll do that. Um, yeah, because there was a period of time between, before you know, before the Job experiences, as you call them, um, in high school. <laughs> so we'll be back after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com. This show's host page Amazon.com and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. 
Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R, dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people. We are at the last segment of the hour. I have my very special guest, my daughter, Chanel Nicole. She is sharing her very personal testimony about um, her love for God and things that he's done for her. And the reason that we share things like this is because we believe in being transparent. We believe in letting others know, you know, our struggles because of the, you know, without doing that, it's not even really worth it. It's not even worth it. You know, you give people the impression that religion is all about presenting a certain image, and as though those people have never sinned, and as though they have never struggled, and as though they've always been good, and they've always, you know, they've had it easy. Well, the Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. So this is why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, Chanel? Yes. I'm very happy that you're with me, and I want to turn it back over to you. I think that you were going to transition from um, basically young, your young teenage years into uh, marriage? Yes, because okay. I said generational, generational curses can be strong if not dealt with. If not, there you go. There you go. Generational curses can be strong if not broken. If not broken. Okay, so pick it up. So I am, I am, I have actually been married. And unfortunately, it ended in divorce. But um, 
uh, the reason why I'm sharing this is because it's so important. If you do not deal with your issues, if you don't deal with your heartache and your pain, um, it can destroy you. And you can make decisions that can lead you down another path. And um, since my relationship with my blood father was so tainted, and now I have this image, uh, um, the original image is ingrained in me, a generational curse now. And I didn't heal from it because we basically stopped speaking. I stopped talking to my father, and I literally did not talk to him again until I was probably roughly in my 20s. So, you know, 13, 14, to never speaking to your father again. There's a lot of trauma there, a lot of pain, and a lot of lack of understanding, no peace. You haven't been restored. And so um, I ended up going to a wedding with a family member. And while I was there, I met a man. And I, when people see me, I look very young. I look like I'm in my 20s, but I'm not. I'm in my late 30s. And um, so a lot of times I don't get approached by men because of that until they actually start speaking to me. And then they realize, okay, she's a little bit older than I, than I think she is. And so I asked to be introduced to, this, to my ex-husband. And we began talking and developed. How did that happen? Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and from there, we start talking on the phone. You go through the normal dating, like you want to impress each other. We're talking on the phone. We're spending all our time together. We think we're so in love. Um, but there were red flags. There were red flags, and I ignored them. There were times um, where... And I have to be careful about what I say because I have to consider my daughter too. And she's going to hear this in the future more than likely. And her and I have discussions, but I still have to be cautious. But there were times where um, he would cuss somebody out just because he was mad. Just cuss him out. And not just one word here or there. He would go off. He would go off. And I remember thinking, like, that's not cool. But, you know, after you've been in a relationship for so long, you kind of start to, your life starts to merge with them. And I had always said I would never do this, but we moved in with each other before we got married. And we were having sex before we got married. And so when you move in with somebody and they're not your husband, you feel trapped. You feel loyal. I made a decision that I want I, marriage was going to be my future. I sat down with him and I had a conversation with him and I told him, I'm not the type of woman that you just date for four or five years. He was aware that my parents were ministers, but I'm grown at this point. I'm making decisions for myself. I actually made the decision before I even told my parents that, and let him move in before I told my parents that that was getting ready to happen. And they were very upset, but at this point I'm grown. What can they really do? I have my own place. I'm paying my own bills. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm it. Can't tell me nothing. You see what rebellion does to you? Gets you in a world of trouble. And he put on a good front. My ex-husband, I'm, I'm not, I'll give it to him. He put on a good front. He made it seem like he was this great guy. Had it going for him. He worked good. And when... Before we moved in with each other, um, he was telling me that he was looking for a place. And I was, uh, I was like, oh, have you found something? Have you found something? And he's like, no, not really. 
And so I suggested, well, maybe you just should come live with me until you find something. But a man is supposed to take care of himself. You know, there's certain roles and things that he's supposed to, to do. I, I, um, I shouldn't have offered that. And when I look back, I think that that was done intentionally. I think he purposely didn't look for a place because he knew my heart. He knew what type of woman I was. Because although I was rebellious, I was still a very sweet person. I would take the shirt off my back and give it to somebody I didn't know. Just because that's how it was built. And so we began living to, with each other. We're basically pretending to be husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And I continued to see red flags, continued to see red flags, but I pushed them to the side because I had vowed that this man was going to be my husband and I made a commitment mm -hmm. and I was going to honor that. Okay. So there were red flags and, um, it clearly resulted in, uh, there were such red flags that it, it resulted in the the destruction of the relationship. I don't know if you want to go go into that any further, since you, like you said, you do want to consider your daughter. We've got about, uh, I think, about six minutes, so that so that may help you decide. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more, or do you want to move even forward to some some things after the divorce? No, I think I think we should talk about it more because okay. there's somebody that's probably going through what I went through. And so okay. over over time, slowly, he began to do things like, I don't like that you go to school. I want you to stay home with me. I just miss you. I want us to be able to spend more time together. And I thought, oh, this is this is great. He He just wants all my time. And then it was, I don't like that you box. I don't want a girl that boxes. I don't want you to get hurt. You know, I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. So I stopped boxing. When I was going to school, I was dancing. So I gave up dancing. And I slowly began to give up so many things, not knowing that basically I was putting myself in a position to be isolated. And then he starts verbally attacking me, telling me horrible things, telling me how bad a person I was telling me I didn't do this right, complaining about what I was doing all the time, cussing me out, degrading me as a woman. Mm. But now we've been, we, we're in, now it's been years, we're in a relationship. And I... Mind you, I, I'll, I'm going to interject, of course, because this is mom, but mind you... Um, you still had your Christian values, so you were a loyal, um, dedicated live-in. I mean, you were working, supporting the home, taking care of him and you, the house, um, trying to be a good mate, right? Correct. I was doing all those things. I was supporting him. There was a season that he had lost his job. And mm -hmm. so I was working two jobs to to provide for a household. And he couldn't find a job, but he also wouldn't take certain jobs, too. He wouldn't apply for certain jobs, too. 
and I would sit there and, and work and come home and then he would just be home sitting there. And that happened that him, him not working for was a, it was a long period. And so I began to start feeling resentment and anger because I'm like, I'm working, I'm bringing in the dough and then you're complaining and beating me up uh, mentally, you know, degrading me, making me feel bad. Like I didn't feel loved. I felt abandoned. Well, this is what you call emotional abuse. You know, some people Mm -hmm. live, they end up living in physical abuse. Some people end end up living in emotional abuse. This is definitely um, emotional abuse. And uh, looks like he says we've got about a minute now. So how do we want to land this plane? Tell people that you're going to have to come back? (laughs) Or what? It sounds like it. Because there's more to this job story. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, I guess instead of making people wait, you might want to consider next uh, next Monday. I don't know what your schedule is like, but we'll talk about that. Okay? We can do that. Okay. Well, honey, I just love you, love you, love you, and I'm just so thankful that you're at a place where you can talk about these things because... Other people need to know what God has done for you. And so we'll do more. Okay? Talk to you later. All right, dear. 